Hey, this is Henry. You're listening to the Skeptic Disciple Podcast, where we ask the difficult questions. Whether you're a skeptic, a disciple, or anywhere in between, we are glad that you're joining us here on this journey. We want to let you know that we are committed to Jesus, we are recipients of His grace, and we are continuing to seek ways of living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here we go. We are back, <laughs> and we are diving back into Exodus, which we left for a little bit there with a kind of a long tangent. But something that's really important that happens in Exodus is this story where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. They are written in stone by God's finger. Uh, Moses goes up Mount Sinai to receive them from God and then comes down to give the people the Ten Commandments. But um, so I asked Brian to, to, to do some uh, some reading up on different things and uh, we'll get we'll get into that pretty soon, but I really wanted to kind of read just a little bit before it gets to the Ten Commandments in Exodus uh, chapter 20. Uh, so just part of Exodus 19, the second half of it kind of paints the picture of what's happening as like basically what's happening with the people, what's happening with Moses before the Ten Commandments are given. Uh, and starting from Exodus chapter 20 onward, it actually actually basically just spells out the Ten Commandments. So verse 16 of chapter 19 of Exodus, I'm just going to go ahead and read it real quick. It says, um, now this is three months after they left Egypt. It says, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, as well as a thick cloud on the mountain and a blast of a trumpet so loud that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln while the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak and God would answer him in thunder. When the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people not to break through to the Lord to look, otherwise, Many of them will perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people are not permitted to come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and keep it holy. The Lord said to him, Go down and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let either the priests or the people break through to come up to the Lord. Otherwise, he will break out against them. And so Moses went down to the people and told them. And then verse twenty, uh, verse 1 of chapter 20 says, Then God spoke all these words. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquities of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. And we're just going to cut it off there because we're, just dealing with the first sort of half of the Ten Commandments there. 
uh, four commandments as we as we know them. But uh, so <laughs> there's there's a reason for that. You might want to mention why we've decided to split up the commandments the way we have. I think I think it's well. Okay, yeah, it's I I just take it as a given. So it just seems like the first the first half or so four four commandments seem to deal more with the the relationship of the people towards God. It's about it. All these commandments are about God somehow. Like God, uh, I'm the only God. You know, you should not have other gods before me. You know, they'll make yourself a graven image to worship it and the Sabbath and all these things are specifically about God and people. And the rest of the commandments are more directed towards relationships between human beings. Right. So that's why we're splitting it up that way. We're also splitting it up just because there's so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just, I just wanted to kind of paint the picture of what's happening uh, and and the fact that right now God is actually speaking these commandments. We haven't yet said, you know, there are stone tablets or anything like that. But um, but yeah, uh, Brian, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that, to that beginning of this whole thing. Um, no, I mean, I don't know at what point you want to you wanna go into something jesus said about the commandments because he broke them down into two as well um not two halves but two commandments he kind (laughs) of narrowed them which is the the first half are about loving god and the second are about loving one another um so it's but it's it's interesting too because i i look at that and my whole life i i grew up catholic and the commandments were scary. Like the commandments are a scary thing because they're the things that condemn you. Like they're the things that show you you are a failure and you messed up. And Jesus, it's funny because when Jesus talks about the commandments, he's like, these are the commandments of love. Yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, I think we're just free to kind of jump in here wherever. But uh, so, if we're talking about Jesus, and I'm sure we're going to get back to commandments, but we're talking about Jesus. The, the main difference I see is that when you read the commandments, they're all like negative statements, like don't do this. Yeah. Don't do that, you know? And then when Jesus kind of reinterprets it, his commandments are like active, like do this, do that, like love the Lord your God with all your heart, you know, soul, mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Like loving itself is, is, is an action. While when we read the commandments, it's more like, don't do this. Don't do that. Try not to like break any of these things. So it's more like, um, trying to keep you safe in a certain way. Like don't mess up and then be on the wrong side. And then Jesus is more like, no, don't worry about that. Just like do this and this is how you keep them. Yeah. And I, I kind of have to bring up Jesus because even, even today, knowing that, I still struggle when I read the commandments to kind of regress and think about it as, as like this very rigid list of what not to do and, and just this kind of like mirror of my inequities <laughs> like that's that's the yeah. temptation you know that's the temptation and i have to like really remind myself like okay what does it mean when jesus said i've come to fulfill the law <laughs> and like but it's it's such an important part when reading these things because i think when you read the ten commandments on their own without jesus in context it's it's really easy to just just i don't know it feels like a bummer. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think I think I I uh I'm totally with you on that. Funny enough, I remember having a poster on my in my room. I think it was my door. Like back when I was a kid, like before I was even a teenager. 
like I don't know where where we got this whole thing, but it was like it was this big poster, and it had four of the command. It, it was like the stone tablets, and it looked like you mm-hmm. know there was like light shining out of it and stuff, and it's like it was the Ten Commandments written like posted on my door, and uh, <laughs> so you know I got familiar with them, but also it it the sense you get it's like it's just a lot of don't don't do this don't do that you know um the fourth commandment's a little bit different but it still was very much about not doing things and if anything i think the fourth commandment was the one that i was more uh a so more i experienced most often um <laughs> huh. uh, growing up seventh day adventist it was like you don't you just you just don't do anything that that's fun essentially um so yeah um but but yeah so back back to the back to the actual story um before we get into the actual commandments themselves i know you read them already yeah but i have i have a question for you sure why at this point in the story of God's chosen people um, are these introduced? Why not earlier? Is yeah. that what you're asking? Yeah. Why now? Like, why now? Well, if if you read through Exodus, immediately before chapter 19, which is all about getting them prepared for this moment where God comes down to the mountain and speaks the commands, um, chapter 18 kind of has this story about Moses's father-in-law who comes to visit him. His name is Jethro, also known as Ruel. Um, he shows up early in Exodus and shows up again in eight, chapter 18. And he basically gives Moses his advice about, hey, you you have a lot of people here and you really need to get it organized. You need to come up with some sort of structure it's kind of like the beginning of some sort of government for the people. Like these people have all sorts of problems. There's all kinds of things that need to have need to be done. And they can't all be coming to you, Moses, because you're gonna lose your mind. You're already losing your mind. And I'm <laughs> I'm assuming, you know, Jethro comes and sees him and he just sees his, you know, son-in-law just kind of like, you know, pulling out his hair over these these people. Mm-hmm. And everything he has to do, so he it, it comes from him this advice of like, hey, choose people who are going to be like, you know, like, like choose like people who like basically basically delegate your responsibilities to people yeah. who can do that, and then just report to you, and then you deal with the bigger things, um, and and then we get then we get this story of the commandments, and I think. It comes at a at a perfect time because the commandments have to be spoken and given to the people in order for them to have like a certain set of rules to live by. And I think any society has those, you know, it yeah. just, we have laws. Um, the difference here is that the laws that we normally live by are not necessarily given to us by God. But rather, human beings come up with some sort of constitution, some sort of you know code of laws and ethics that they want to live by, and yeah. agree upon and vote on whatever like you know we do in the United States. Mm-hmm. But back in the Bible times, I could say Bible times or you know Moses' time or Egypt and all <laughs> that stuff. Like it's interesting because it wasn't unusual to have this idea or belief that it was your culture's God who handed down your laws or your rules. And I think you were talking about this earlier about the Code of Hammurabi, um, which kind of comes down in the same way, right? It's uh, it's handed to um, Hammurabi by their god like here it is this is a divine divinely stated or written law that is given 
And then the culture and the society is built upon basically those rules for living. And here we see a similar thing happening. Interestingly, you know, I think the Kodoha Murabi was also given to him as he went up a mountain and God, you know, met him there. Yeah. We have a similar story. Uh, basically where God does the same with Israel. And instead of Hammurabi, we have Moses going up because he's the leader and he's leading the people through the desert. So obviously, you know, he wants he wants him to go up and, and basically, you know, the law is given to them. Um, so why now? Basically, you need some sort of way of keeping everyone organized. You need a way of like preventing people from like falling into chaos. You need, you just need something that's stated and written down. And this is just, this is the way that God did it with Israel. That makes a lot of sense. You know, as you're talking, I I realized I knew the answer because even in social psychology, we find that when groups, like when we study anthropological studies, like, uh, of tribal people that are still alive today, like in either Africa or, you know, wherever. Um, when a tribe grows beyond 150, order starts to fall apart because that many people have trouble following one person just just on that person's will alone. Yeah. And so they have to either come up with a type of constitution or set of laws or currency to glue them or it just it, they just fraction off into smaller tribes. So this is it's interesting because I guess I guess this is kind of the point where they go from a tribe to a nation. Yeah, this is this chapter 18, 19, 18, Sorry, from eighteen, it's like you start seeing it. Like you need to get organized. You need to you need to come up with something that works for you, Moses and the people, because there's all these other things that you need to get taken care of. And then we have the commandments given by God that then become like the law that they live by. It's like, you can't have a lawless, you know, rowdy bunch of people. (laughs) So would you say that for 400 years since, since Abraham was given the promise up until now that God's people were without law i don't think they were without law i think they were without law in the in the sense that we think of now as a you know set of laws and rules that you live by it as in a nation or a, like you know what i mean like a yeah when you become a nation you need you need to establish some rules even tribes themselves you know or even just a family like a family unit you need to establish some rules to like avoid chaos um I don't think it was that like they knew that they like they didn't know that like killing people was a bad thing. Right. You know, like I think I think we know that since like Genesis chapter was it four or five where Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Like mm-hmm. we know that mm-hmm. from like the very beginning of this book of Genesis. But now and I think I mentioned this before, like I always saw Israel crossing the Red Sea or crossing the Sea of Reeds, however you want to interpret that, crossing the sea as like the beginning of this birth of a nation. Mm. And it is right now when we get an an organizational system that works for them. And then we also get the commandments given to them by God. Mm. So to anyone who's reading this that maybe is not religious, like they're seeing all the parallels of like, oh yeah, this is like, you know, you need to get organized if you're a nation. You need to have some sort of constitution or just some some sort of law or rules that that you're going to abide by. And 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 you know, it's it's funny, but I think I think it's true that for any nation, any 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 nation that you visit, I think I'm pretty sure murder is a crime. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. Sometimes you have to state the obvious because by stating the obvious, now you can say, hey, you are guilty of crime and here are your consequences. Hmm. But if you don't have that, 
then you don't have the power or the authority to punish them by any because you don't have anything to do you know what i mean right right the very the very nature of human human beings is that in order to, to have this this work out you need to have it written somewhere somewhere everyone has to have sort of some sort of agreement mm-hmm. that this is a bad thing even the very obvious things like this is a bad thing because then i can charge you with a crime and then you know you either go to jail or you, you have to pay a fine or you know whatever it is but these are the rules and you cannot break them what would you say to people because i've heard this argument from other christians that modern even modern laws in modern societies um we we would not have laws against things like let's say murder and theft if it wasn't for this story in exodus have you heard that yeah no i've heard that i, yeah. I mean it makes sense in the in this you know like in our american context because uh-huh. we're american um, but I'm pretty sure people in China have the same rules. Like, you know, don't murder, don't steal. Like, these are crimes. Mm. And you can't say that came from the Bible. Because there's there's no way to prove it. Like, there's no way. The, those are the, not even connected. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that's just people reading into things a little bit too much. Um, yes, it's true that, you know, the people that came to America had a Christian background and the Ten Commandments and they had a very kind of strong religious outlook on things and perspectives. And so it made sense to them to base our rules on the Ten Commandments. But I don't think that if we didn't have the Ten Commandments, that murder would just be legal. I agree. Uh, Some of it is kind of just in our bones, isn't it? It's... I think, uh, yeah, I think sometimes it's hardest, especially if you've just grown up Christian and you're just like, this is the only thing you've ever known. It's hard to step back and look at the world from an outside perspective mm-hmm. of someone who is not, who's not Christian, who's never, you know, like they don't have a Christian background, yet they also believe that, you know, murder is a crime, that lying is a crime, that, you know, so like i (laughs) i try to do this often because i realize that so often we make the mistake of like placing our own christian bias or religious bias on things that maybe don't merit it like not that don't merit it but they don't you know what i mean like i I know what you mean (laughs) we're looking at the world through christian glasses or like eyes when in reality, the world is not entirely Christian and there are things. And I think we mentioned it in the other, in one of our other episodes where, you know, people believe that the earth was only 6,000 years old and then they, you know, met people of other cultures and Asia and they trace their history beyond 6,000 years. And so then it was like, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, like what happened here? Um, and it was because like, you're just, you're so like, <laughs> you're so much in the Christian bubble that you forget that there's stuff outside of it. Mm. So, um, yeah, that, that that would be my my response to that. I hear you. It can be a, a scary thought for some of us. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's fine if it's scary, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's. I think it's a scary thought. But I think you should listen to what I'm saying. I'm not like discrediting the Ten Commandments. No, no. I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the Ten Commandments and the function that they had and why they came, you know, at this time in Israel's history and not like when Adam and Eve uh, were created or when, I don't know, when God meets Abraham. Like there's there is a reason why things are given in the time that they are given. Yeah. So No, I know what you're saying. It's it's we the other thing as Americans, as a Western culture, is we we try to be really empirical about everything. And 
kind of, I want to say, solve everything to the point where we we think we understand it beginning to end. Like we want to take the mystery out. <laughs> well, we want answers. <laughs> we we want to remove the faith aspect of this religion. <laughs> uh, well, so. <laughs> I think I think sometimes what we've done is we've mistake mistaken faith for proof or like you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. like faith by definition is believing in something that's kind of un <laughs> I don't know how to describe it or how to call it, but it's like you can't prove it like scientifically. You can't like test it and and have like hard data on something like god um you just you just can't um we have stories in the bible that tell the story of the relationship between god and humanity but we don't have anything that's like hard proof of god you know if you believe in god it's because you have faith in god not because you have proof in god i mean you could <laughs> you would use other words besides belief and faith to refer to something that you you trust because you know is like for real. Yeah. You just wouldn't use the faith lingo to yeah. describe those things. Yeah. If I fall out of a plane, I don't have faith that gravity will kill me. No, you just I, you just I, know I, it. I just I just know it will. <laughs> 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 Any, anyway um let's don't let's, don't don't fall out of planes let's that's that's, that's the moral of the day let's let's get into this story <laughs> <laughs> okay no more falling out of planes so i just wanted to paint a picture of like what's happening before then uh you know moses goes up with aaron and god speaks the, the commandments and god spoke all these words and the very first thing he says, he says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And that's what we consider the first commandment in Christianity as we see it. Um, and I, I guess I will refer to it as the Christian tradition in many ways. Um, just, you know, just. Take that to mean it's just Christianity uh, historically. That's how we've treated it. Interestingly, in the Jewish tradition, the first commandment is only chapter 20, verse 2. Yeah. And uh, so that's funny because um, when we look at the Bible, we I think we just automatically assume that there was verses back then. There's no verses. There are no chapters. It's just all one big thing, mm-hmm. one big book. Um, we put in verses and chapters later on. Um, but we end up with things like this. The Jewish tradition is, uh, the first commandment is, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Basically like, Hey, identifying God's self as the God that liberated them from slavery. Um, and then the second commandment in the Jewish tradition begins in verse three. That says, you shall have no other gods besides me. You shall not make for yourself any graven image, nor any manner of likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Now, it seems kind of like, you know, so what? You know, but... But in the Christian tradition, it's all about, it's not just, I am the Lord your God. It, the, 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 the actual commandment, the way we understand it is, you shall have no other gods before this God. And then the second commandment for us has always been about graven images and worshiping idols, you know, things like if you have right. like a statue that you, you know, you worship or something of something that is in creation that God created, like that's what the second commandment is about. Um, and the first commandment is like, don't have other gods before me. Um, 
<laughs> so, I mean, I think the first commandment is pretty straightforward. I'm the Lord your God. Second commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. Don't make yourself any images. Um, let's let's. I want to slow down a little bit. Let's yeah. let's focus on that first part. Um, it sounds super simple and easy. Like there's nothing really to extract from it. But we brought this up the other day, just you and me. Um, it says you shall have no other gods before me. And my question to you was. Why not take that opportunity to tell the people there is no such thing as other gods before me? Yeah, why it's, not just say there are no other gods before me? Instead of saying you shall not worship other gods before me. And this is an interesting question. And I think I think my response was, you know, as we read the Bible, like from Genesis onward, like as we progress in our reading we kind of get this progressive, I don't want to call it progressive, but like progression of understanding. Interestingly, I think at the very beginning, we kind of have, um, or here, there's a, it's almost like an acknowledgement that there are other gods. It feels that way. But that God or, you know, the Lord that brought them out of Egypt was to be first meaning like i am i am your god like i am not their god you know what i mean mm -hmm. like the egyptians had their god the the you know the the babylonians or you know out in babel and everyone else has their own god and this time it's a it's a time in history where each kind of culture and nation had their own gods that they served and worshiped oftentimes they had like this you know chief god but here is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, meaning I am connecting myself to you. I am the one to be worshipped. And you shall not have any gods before me. Right? Mm -hmm. So some say besides me, before me. Meaning that they could possibly have other gods before God or besides God. And God saying, no. I am a jealous God. You are only to have me. None of these other gods. And I mean, we look at this place where they came out of Egypt. They had tons of gods, you know? Certainly. Like there's, there's gods for everything. Um, and they're going from this understanding or this culture where there's many gods to then understanding that God is making himself, connecting himself to this people. Again, this is the birth of a nation. You know, we have the commandments given, we have organization, and now the God is, is specifically like putting it down, you know, for all to hear, all, for all to read. Like, I am your God. Like, your nation has a God. It is the Lord God who delivered you from Egypt. That's who you identify yourself with. And again, this is a time in, in, in history where all nations had a God that they identified themselves with. Interestingly, now God starts this whole thing by saying, I am your God and you shall not have any other gods besides me or before me. So it's kind of this understanding or this, he's speaking to a people who, who believe in a multiplicity of gods. And he's saying, I'm the only one you're to worship. So you, it does it does sound like it does sound like God is acknowledging, like, hey, there are other gods, but I'm your God. Hmm. So it's not I, I think I know what you're saying. It's not the multiplicity that he's bothered with necessarily. It's it's the perhaps we could call it tendency to wander towards an alternative yeah i mean there, there's whether whether it be real or not i'm sure there was something um attractive about the worship of other gods i'm sure and you know what we might get into that later on but just as this nation 
the 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 nation that God is building is to be kind of this really like crazy different nation. Uh, so are so is the worship of this God um, different? I, I would say this this God is different. You know, mm. like all these other gods, these people have made, which is acknowledged in the commandment itself. Like, don't make yourself a graven image to worship because this is what people did back then. Like, this is a normal thing, a normal practice. Sure. Humans are making their gods and choosing to worship them in certain ways and building traditions and cultures around them. God, in the story of Genesis, creates humanity in his own image it, there, there, there's already a uh you know what i mean uh-huh. like people creating gods in in the image of something else but if the this god creates humanity in god's image and so there's a very distinct um just just this god is very different and I think he's, this God is saying like, there are these other gods that I know that you know, because you were in Egypt and you will probably want to worship these other gods because they, there's, there's just something different about them that it seems to like, just people just want to worship these things for whatever reason. Um, But don't do that. I'm the only God that deserves your worship. It's interesting when you think about it because these other gods we're talking about, I think it's it's safe for me to say that they're man-made. Yes, um, that's specifically what it says. Yeah, yeah, they're they're man-made like conceptions. Like they're not real, but they're imag- imaginings that fulfill basic lustful desires whatever they may be i mean in ancient greece you had gods that demanded drunkenness and orgies you know yeah how convenient for the people worshiping yeah um so then a more relevant question i think would be um how how is this commandment relevant to us as modern 21st century (laughs) industrialized people (laughs) <laughs> well maybe we don't even need to go that that far in the future um i mean jesus just summed it up like love lord your god with basically everything you've got i guess what i'm asking is are there gods contending i think god in right. this commandment acknowledges that there are other gods contending for our worship and our attention um in those days they were graven images of these mythical gods i think i mean today but today and i think this is where where we need to like this is where we do a little bit of an interpretive work because obviously i think the majority of us aren't really tempted to worship images or idols um well i mean there's instagram (laughs) well okay i think that's an interpretive um well you know jump there and i think we do have to we have to pay attention to that we have to make it because what is a god Mm. you know like that's when it comes down to it like what what is a god and and in those times you know a god was something that was admirable like you'd look up at the sun and the moon and you're like wow that's amazing that's beautiful i want to worship it uh they worship the river because the nile river you know brought life to everything around them in the desert it's like wow the river is a god um it's it's really something that that we view as admirable beautiful powerful or uh, even uh, scary, mm. you know. Um, we always have a god of death, or you know, the underworld, or something. Yeah. 
there's these things that we cannot explain that we admire or that we're just like we're just wowed by um but i think in antiquity it was always like it was also something that provided something for you like they would look up at the sun they're like well everything grows when the sun comes by and everything grows when the rain comes by and so there's a god of rain and the sun and the moon and the stars and like these are all gods because they're all doing something to keep us alive in a way and we're up we're like in their hands in a, in a sense because if the sun doesn't shine we die if the rain doesn't come our crops will fail if the river dries up you know we have no water it's like it's something that provides you with something but that also also something that is very powerful and something that is very beautiful in your eyes and so when we talk about today i think i think the biggest the, the thing that i think about the most is wealth and money Hmm. personally because well said. i was about to ask you uh because i think asking it in a more personal manner kind of opens it up more yeah is, it, is this a commandment that you struggle with at any point oh in yeah your, in your personal life oh yeah i struggle with this all the time mm. <laughs> okay i i struggle with this all the time so who uh, who is the who are the other gods that you're tempted to worship okay if here, i, if here I may ask yeah no yeah. Um, okay, so I was just mentioning wealth and money. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for many people, they're like, oh, I don't worship wealth or money. You know, like I'm not just out here to get money and like get wealthy and just, you know, there's yeah. those people. I'm not like those people, so I must not worship money. But there's also the the other end of that where it's like, I don't have any money, therefore I can't do anything. Therefore, I feel like I just, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, the, the also the limit the limiting of your i don't know how to describe it i get what you're saying i am i am uh i am either empowered or or enslaved because this this entity this concept has me in that position and i'm powerless against it kind of a mentality yeah so yeah so for example you either have a ton of money and you're controlled by like oh i don't want to lose it or you don't have any money you're stuck in debt in debt and you're like i can't do anything because i'm a slave hmm. and i mean there is a there's truth to that like you don't want to have debt because then obviously you have to work to like pay it off and you're like at the mercy of whoever you owe but i think the point where it becomes a god is where it actually affects you in a way where it feels like you're no longer a person because you owe this much money or you are who you are and you have what you have and power and success because you have this money and without it you are nothing i think in both cases money is a god to you mm. and maybe you haven't realized it i think i think it's, there's a difference between being enslaved to like someone because you owe them and 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 believing that you yourself are worthless because you owe money that's really interesting considering this this huge popularity in what's called the prosperity gospel right yeah actually <laughs> yeah i think that's basically what the pros well i mean the prosperity gospel just really bugs me dude it's like you know if you do this and if you pay your tithes and if you like if you're a good person and if you just pray it how do they say it if you uh if you speak it into how do you say it do you know what i'm talking about yeah i i know what you mean but the like, the, the basic assertion is that if if you have wealth it's because you're blessed and if you don't you know you need to pray more and tithe more and and wh whatever you know like a very simple kind of formulaic yeah and they're yeah. normally these messages are normally delivered at very wealthy yeah uh extravagant <laughs> churches like if you're poor it's because there's something wrong with your spiritual life you you must be something you need to repent from and you have yeah. repented from it and you have to change your ways and if you're rich, it's because, oh, well, you're blessed because you must be doing things right. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it's that difficult to see 
that not everyone who is incredibly wealthy is like a good person mm-hmm. and not everyone that's poor is like a horrible person but i think we in some parts of the christian world have bought into that type of thinking where it's like no you know if you're poor it's 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 your fault there must be something wrong with you spiritually yeah because the people of god are always blessed and they always have enough yeah we've married god with money in a very interesting way we've we've taken all those verses on on spiritual wealth and kind of but also i i also want to acknowledge that the the maybe the, at the beginning like there is maybe some sense to some of this but i just i think that the over like just like using it as a blanket statement it just it it's, doesn't work that way no well there's any good lie has truth in it yeah, yeah. so you know there's there's definitely things that you can do to improve your situation but um i wouldn't say like just straight up like you're just a sinner there must be something wrong with you um there's plenty of good people who there's nothing wrong with and they're just they're just stuck in the situation they are because other people have either taken advantage of them or they've made poor decisions and now they're having to fix them but it if basically what i'm saying is if you're worth your own personal like your actual personal worth is tied to money then money might be a god to you or anything for that matter the, or the, anything the yeah. thing the thing about this commandment that i find is so difficult is it's really hard to really self-assess your own idolatry um <laughs> because we typically self-justify it you know like no this thing is good for me to invest in this is this has brought me good things this is yeah or like wh- whatever yeah. if it's a person or a thing or like whatever All right like i won't tell you not to invest money in the stock market no i would yeah. feel really weird if you're like like hey let's invest all this money in this like this company that makes like bombs or military equipment just because there's money in it um because i know what those things do mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and so like i feel conflicted about stuff like that like i wouldn't do that i just couldn't do that because of that but i'm sure there's other areas where i'm like not as discerning <laughs> you know yeah um and, and so i mean it could be anything interestingly enough like the commandment goes on and just kind of like names everything like don't don't worship literally anything else like anything <laughs> and so, i think that's that's telling of like the human condition of like our just like our nature to like want to worship anything or to make anything a god to us and you know it's interesting i like i like that you broke down the definition of like okay so let's talk about what is a god because i think to some degree you kind of have to break down okay what is worship because we think well i don't i don't pray to money i don't like you know <laughs> like i don't i'm not worshiping <laughs> yeah yeah but okay so worship is like a, whole, a whole different thing right because the other side of the spectrum is like oh i go to church therefore you know i worship god today right and I, i i think there's been a few times where i've like reminded my church like hey um so what we do here what we've done here at church doesn't like encompass worship mm-hmm. like what you came here to do was to like be in each other's presence and and you prayed and you listened to a message but that doesn't that doesn't encompass the totality totality of like worshiping god mm. if like if you think that by coming to church once a week and doing this which is good for you and it's great that you're here but if you think this is this is it then like you don't understand what worship is i like that oh, like good. worship isn't singing i could sing a song and like not have worship in my heart at all like not have any like connection or spiritual like whatever you want to call it 
to God at all and still do those things. I can even preach a sermon and not not be there. Hmm. So, you know, with realizing that even the people who are actively participating in a church service may not necessarily be worshiping God at that moment, like what makes you think that as someone who is just sitting in the audience listening that you are somehow worshiping? I think I think it calls for like f- like further introspection of like what is actually what what is worship really? And I like going back to James every single time cuz James is like very like active and practical, you know? Mm-hmm. And he describes worship as like actually caring for people. Mm. Like going out of your way to be good news to someone else. You know what I mean? Like like that is worship. I like that. And like taking care he he mentions caring for the orphans and the widows and the poor. But I think we can we can kind of broaden it a little bit and just just basically say like bring good news to someone is not about you speaking uh, or trying to get them to believe like you do religiously or spiritually, but rather just simply going out of your way to meet someone else's need is what James defines as true religion. And I think that's very tied to to worship. Because if you worship God, God is the primary thing that your life is built around. And I know that we hear that a lot and it's very often just like, oh, you know, you make God first in your life and everything else is going to work out. But the the reality of it is, does your day, is your day, like all of your activities, is it centered around your God or is it centered around just things that you you feel that you need to do? Mm. Like, what is your day centered around? Is your day centered around building your business? Is it around like doing well at work? Is your is it is it is your whole day just motivated by like pleasing even your spouse before God? Then I think you're not actually worshiping God. Mm. And I think when we understand that, then we really look at ourselves in a whole different light. And then we realize that maybe we've just been saying things and not really living them. No, absolutely. I think there are a lot of times when I'll pray and there's a part of me that's trying to cover all the bases. Like... I have to pray for this and I have to pray for that and I have to make sure I ask for forgiveness. And I go through my laundry list. Like I have a list of like bases I have to cover. And then the amen comes and it's like, well, I, I did it. <laughs> I did it. But Good it's job. like, but no, if I'm really honest, like my best prayers always end with me forgetting why I even started this prayer. Like, cause I'll just, I'll just go into a state of flow (laughs) where it's like, I'm talking just, just like kind of being really vulnerable. And it's just like, I'll I'll even forget to ask for anything. Yeah. Have have you ever had those prayers where it's like, you didn't even ask for anything. You just, yeah, yeah, I think. I don't know if that I don't know that everyone can relate to that, but I know, but, but th- yeah. that's just me personally. Like, I'll need those kind of prayers sometimes just to like jostle, like things loose in me, and it's like, oh, okay, like a pr- little bit of perspective for me. Uh, I'll say this much: like a lot of times, prayer reminds me of who I am. Huh. Again, because I think I'm I'm very tempted to identify myself or gain my identity from other things. Huh. So I was mentioning like money and wealth and debt and you know, I guess you can extend that to beauty and you know, whether you're admired or not, and so you or your success or whatever, even your job, like your identity is 
tied to those things. But a lot of times when I pray, I'm reminded of who I am, regardless of all these other things that try to tell me that. Um, and no, you're more, right. And more recently, um, more recently, I've been praying a lot of just like, Lord, help me to know how to take care of like my family. Hmm. Like, how do I, how do I do this thing? You know? Yeah. I think a, a recognition of the fact that I don't know everything and that it comes from God somehow um, helps me. Like it basically gives me this piece of like, I don't have to do this alone. And there are a lot of things that I don't know how to do. And so again, I think it's acknowledging God's presence in my life. Cause it's like, I don't, I may not know how to do these things. I may not know, like, okay, so one big thing, <laughs> you know, as a guy and like being raised Hispanic, it's like you are to be the provider of your, for your family. Right. And I think in my, in my faith journey, I've understood that God is the provider of everything, not me. Hmm. And I think that is very easy to see yourself as a provider and become like your own God. Like I am God here because, you know, I buy you everything you have. I provide everything you have, whatever, you know, like it's tempting. It would be very tempting to see yourself and maybe even gain your identity and worth from doing that. That's a good one. I think, yeah, if I'm honest, I have... I've been very guilty of idolizing a false perception of manhood for most of my life. And I still am tempted to do that sometimes. And I still find myself trying to assert it when I don't need to. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting. It, it's the, it's the world and culture you're raised on. Yeah. Raised in. It just kind of messes you up as a guy. Mm. And I know, I know for women, like, they have a lot of things to deal with, but I think this is the primary thing that that we men deal with. Just this need to gain our identities from like, you know, how well we provide. Yeah. You know? And, and um, don't and don't show weakness while you do it. Don't cry. Don't you know, don't ask for help. Yeah, no, we don't ask for help. You, you know, just <laughs> do it yourself you figure it out i don't mm. care how long it takes you you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps basically um but i find that my again like my prayer is is like always reminding me like hey i don't i don't have to like live up to all these things i don't have to like you know not that i don't have to search for ways to do you know no, yeah. things but rather like I don't have to like gain my identity or my value and worth from whether or not I'm able to do these things right now. Because in the end, if I really truly believe that God is is somehow providing for me and for everyone, and that He is that God is somehow making this possible at this time. Like it's just gonna happen. Like I don't know. I don't know how. But and when I say when I when I when I mentioned like taking care of my family, it's not so much like making enough money to put food on the table and all those things, because I know that those things are also like affected by so many other like situations. Like you know, for example, this COVID thing might have affected people's jobs. It's just like there's so many things that we can't control. But what really matters when it comes down to it to God is, am I treating my family well? Mm. am i nurturing them am i making my wife feel valued and my am i raising my child the way i should like how do i become that person right and those are the things i mostly pray about because honestly at the end of the day i realized <laughs> hey this could all end today you know what's funny? As you're talking, I realize something. <laughs> I realize that my best prayers are the most unmanly thing I can think of. <laughs> because they'll end with me asking for help and crying 
and <laughs> just doing doing all the all of the unmanliest things and they feel so good <laughs> i mean i mean it's really hard for a guy to cry in front of the guy so i, I totally understand that you know <laughs> But I mean, if we were if we were made in the image of God, I mean, God must cry. Hmm. Um, yeah, and maybe conversation for another day. I had <laughs> I listened to this one podcast about crying and how like society has viewed crying throughout time, mm-hmm. just in just in American history, and I think maybe earlier than that too. But that crying was seen as a sign of strength. Um, and they mentioned like presidential uh, elections and debates and stuff mm-hmm. and speeches where like Abraham Lincoln, for example, cried. Um, like you basically weren't considered to be seriously passionate about the things that you believed in unless you cried in public. That's interesting. And we've come this far from that belief to now where it's like, no, crying is is a show of weakness you cannot cry period Mm. um and it's just the way that our society views things i mean they could change you know 200 years from now it could be totally fine and be a show of strength it's just this is how much our culture affects us and so again you know if you've grown up in the christian bubble that's how much your, your culture affects you like you grow to like believe that certain things are just like wrong because you've just grown up in that. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's important to kind of step back and outside of that um, and then really kind of see what what is really, what is really in scripture, what is really like the faith and what is just like your culture of like your church or denomination or whatever you want to call it. Because hmm. those two things can blend into one. That's good. That's true. So, so yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> dude, that's dude, we, we spent so much time on one commandment. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, listen in for the next nine episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think we covered two commandments. So... All right, yeah. You know. <laughs> The third, the third commandment and the fourth commandment are going to be interesting. Yeah, they will be. I, yeah, I think, I think two commandments can take an episode at this point. Uh, apparently. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, anyway, not complaining though. It's it's good. It's that good. that is our uh, our 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 first episode on the commandments uh, from Exodus. And uh, I think we have a lot more to talk about and a lot more to dig through and in and into. Um, so <laughs> so I think if you found this particular one interesting, the next one is going to be like maybe twice as interesting. Oh, that's a lot to live up to. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, no, there's there's a lot. There's, there's a lot of things to think about and talk about uh, for the next two. Um, so... I think we'll we'll end it here for now. Yeah, let's not uh, let's not uh, over command you guys. Uh, okay. <laughs>Hey, thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder that we're on Instagram as Skeptic Disciple. We're also on Twitter as Disciple Skeptic. Our messages are open uh, for any suggestions or questions. If you just want to say hello, that is awesome. Uh, We post things periodically on those two platforms. Uh, Just another quick reminder to give us a rating on whichever app you're listening to. Yeah, just have a great week. Merry Christmas. Stay healthy, wear your masks, and adios. Adios.